Myrtle Beach is the beach. 60 miles of bright sand, water, and a wealth of wonderful music playing day and night. You can step into a simple beach bar and discover a surprising level of exciting musical talent. A place to kick back and groove to the enticing soundtrack of the most unexpected vacations around. With nothing but good vibes floating through the warm ocean air. Plan your own music-filled trip to America's Jukebox at visitmyrtlebeach.com. And now, now, prepare yourself for the only talk radio show you'll want to turn up. Crank this thing. Sirius XM Pandora presents the place where your hard rock and metal voice can still be heard. Unfiltered, uncensored, say whatever you want. Hit the record button. Anything can happen, you know. I know that ain't nobody out there came to be mellow tonight, now did you? I say, I say there ain't nobody. I say there ain't nobody not out there that even wants to be a little bit mellow, now is there? This is the Trunk Nation Podcast with host Eddie Trunk. Hey folks, it's Eddie Trunk and welcome to another edition of the Eddie Trunk Podcast. New episodes every Thursday, wherever you get your podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss one single episode of interviews with all of your favorite artists. As I tell you guys every week. You know the drill by now if you're a regular listener. The interviews you hear on this podcast originated and happened live on the radio on my daily Sirius XM radio show, which is called Trunk Nation and heard on Channel 106 volume every weekday live, 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern time, nightly re-airs 10 to midnight Eastern. Anything you want, anytime you want on the Sirius XM app audio, video, on-demand listening, and more. If you only listen to this podcast, you're getting a tiny fraction of the interviews, the talk, the debate, the daily live stuff that we do on the radio. So if you're in the U.S. or Canada, come on board and join me and get yourself a SiriusXM subscription and join up with our Trunk Nation faithful talking rock every single day on the radio. Today on the podcast, um, well, a few things. First of all, if you're listening to this on post day, my next appearance is this Saturday. I'll be in Houston, Texas at Warehouse Live hosting the Sonic Slam Tour, which features Tom Kiefer, LA Guns, and Faster Pussycat. Always a fun time at this venue. This Saturday should be a blast. Hope to see you there if you are in the Houston area and attending. Follow me on social media at Eddie Trunk, Twitter, Instagram, and the Facebook page for info and updates on everything I have coming up. July 7th, I'm going to be in Los Angeles at the Whiskey, hosting a special listening party for the new remix of the Dio Holy Diver album. Special guests will be there, 7 to 9, open to the public. And it would have been Ronnie James Dio's 80th birthday, so we'll be celebrating at the Rainbow. The night of July 7th, Monsters on the Mountain, Gatlinburg, Tennessee coming up. Just a note to those attending Monsters on the Mountain this year, I will only be there Friday. Will not be there Saturday, Sunday. I'll be doing a pre-thing on Thursday, hosting on Friday. And then that Saturday, I need to get over to Tulsa, where I'll be hosting a night with Poison, 
Tom Kiefer and LA Guns. Lots going on. Keep an eye on my social media and I will keep you posted. Uh, lots going on on this podcast. As a matter of fact, I'm going to bring you a triple header this weekend. I don't think it's, uh, I think we've never done that before. So first up, Lizzie Hale, of course, the lead singer of Hail Storm. She'll join us. She was on the radio show uh, about a week and a half ago, talking about the new album and more. Second, James Labrie, the voice of Dream Theater, talking about his new solo album, reconnecting with Mike Portnoy and more. And last but certainly not least, Ricky Rocket in a very short 10-minute check-in. This just happened on the show this past Monday. I wanted to fast-track it for you because Poison are currently on the stadium tour, and Ricky called in from the tour and I thought because of the timeliness of it, this would be something fun for people to hear. So a uh, fairly, you know, half an hour or so with Lizzie Hale, maybe a little more actually, half an hour or so with James Labrie, and about 10 minutes with Ricky Rocket, a rock potpourri for you. <laughs> all, uh, this week on the uh, Eddie Trunk podcast, all coming from my radio show, all happening live on that show in the last few weeks. We'll start it off right now. First up with Lizzie Hale of Hailstorm. We haven't spoken to her in a little bit. I think the last time we spoke to her was on Zoom with Amy Lee because they were getting ready to go out on tour, Evanescence and Hailstorm. And I remember Lizzie Hale was in her car outside of the studio where she was making the record that we now have uh, called Back from the Dead. And she now joins us live. Lizzie, how are you? I'm doing great, Eddie. How you doing? Thanks so much for having me. Anytime. It's always good to talk to you. And uh, I do recall you were out. I think you were outside the studio and you were on your phone and we were doing that Zoom thing with Amy and you were trying to get a good signal and you were in your car and you ran out from having worked on this record, if I recall. Uh, absolutely. You know, for as much technology as those uh, studios have, uh, the Internet always sucks. So <laughs> I had to escape and go somewhere else. <laughs> well, tell, tell Rascal Linnitz to try paying the bill and maybe it'll work better. I, you know what? I, I swear I told him that. I'm like, look, man, you got like a lot of musicians here and we don't just record. We do a lot of other things, too. <laughs> He's like, like, I can't. He couldn't figure out what the password was either to in order to like do stuff. I'm like, OK, never mind. I'm going out in the car. <laughs> it figures like I'm, I'm, this this mad professor, wonderful producer has no clue how to work the Internet. That just makes all the sense in the world, I think. Well, <laughs> well that, that's the beauty of it, though, is that his heart and his soul is purely in the music he doesn't have time for that stuff you know it's like <laughs> exactly. it's, it's like it's all emotion all energy right now all the time uh, you know nick so it's it's uh it's always a wonderful experience yeah no doubt so tell me about the experience in making this record four years since the last record vicious which i absolutely loved i've been listening to this record um also totally kick-ass totally loving it but a lot went on in four years and i i imagine you didn't anticipate it being four years between records so uh, be, whether it be COVID or everything else talk about what went on with the band and uh the challenges if there were any in making this record well, you know, we we definitely didn't expect uh, the world to all of a sudden come to a screeching halt. Um, we had begun writing this record uh, shortly after we ended our album cycle. We were all in uh, actually my basement here in Nashville and jamming out to some tunes and doing some demos. And then we just got, you know, it's then all of a sudden the bad news started. And we're like, geez, guys, I think we need to like separate for a while. Everybody just 
you know, we'll stop, we'll lock down and this thing will blow over in a month. Right. <laughs> Not. And, uh, and, uh, so, you know, we, we went through like all of the phases of lockdown Whereas first it's like, we, it's vacation. Let's just, you know, have beer delivered to our door and it'll be great. And, uh, and then slowly, but surely as time went on, um, you know, I, I don't think I realized truly the gravity of how much I use all of these things via, you know, you know, be it touring or uh, just the the forward movement of it all, the mission of it all. I'm always having kind of something on the schedule. I, I've, you know, this. I've been in this band since I was 13, so um, I have used every aspect of this band to combat um a lot of you know my personal issues a lot of uh you know my i I use it to balance out my mental health um so i went into kind of a i went into kind of a dark place uh over the 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 next you know year or so um to the point where i'm like i don't know like are we ever going to do this again are we even going to get in the studio um do i even like music anymore like i i couldn't like look at a guitar without being sad and um and kind of finally had to really just kick myself in the butt and just be like okay what can what can you do you can sit down and you can write yourself through it yeah just like you did when you were you know 16 in your dad's garage you know so um so i ended up doing that and i hated nearly everything all of those first demos that i created um um but eventually ended up just using that as really the only tool in my arsenal to really just kind of get through the time and those um those demos that i ended up kind of stumbling in the pieces of the puzzle that i was creating ended up being the album so it's it's really interesting how now i listen to the record and for me it's a very personal record you know and if it sounds a little angsty it's just because you know that's the only uh place that i could put it um but uh you know it's not like i could throw it on a stage somewhere so um but but it's funny how now that it's out it's because now i don't know it just seems like almost very universal and so to me it just means that i was not alone in any of those feelings we were all going through them so it's such a relief to get it out yeah it's interesting when i listen to it lyrically i mean you you open with back from the dead which is just this whole like great heavy opening like rally cry like back and all that but there's there's definitely and and i get it there's definitely a darkness to the record whether it's wicked ways just reading the title wicked ways a strange girl even bright side is actually misleading because there's a negative connotation to the (laughs) to the lyric on here so I'm, i'm and i've known you for a long time and you're like one of the nicest most pleasant people i know and i'm like damn, Lizzie's really channeling some dark side on this, but is that coming from the experience of making it or just where you were at in your life at the time? Or because there's also uplifting stuff on it too, but, but was a lot of that, the cloud of COVID coming through? I think it was the cloud of COVID. There was always that, that was looming. Um, But also it's just, I mean, it's life, man. I mean, our, you know, our world is crazy right now. And, and when you're sitting at home feeling like, you're just kind of helpless as to what do you do about it. Um, the only thing that I could do is really write about it to get through it. And it's it's funny how I I almost through this experience and again 
looking on the bright side. Uh, yeah, you're right. That's ironically probably one of the darkest songs on the record. Right. It's but, funny um, when you read but, the title, but, you're like, oh, well, there's one. And then you listen to it, you're like, uh, not so much. <laughs> no, not so much. Exactly. Um, but I think through the experience, I'm, I'm almost grateful for it because I rediscovered the why, the why I write and the why I I enjoy writing is because I still do just like I did when I was a teenager, you know, use it as a form of, of my therapy and, and a way, and a way to do something about either the problems of the world or the problems that I have. It's just, it's a, it's a way to, to be productive and maybe even just feel like at least you're moving forward in some direction. And as you finish each song and as you you, you finish it and you demo it or you, or you go into you, you get it done and you listen back to it all of a sudden you can kind of put those things aside and be like, all right, I accomplished that. I did something. I'm putting something out in the world that, that maybe will help somebody. So it's uh, yeah, just, it's the, it's the tool I got. I'm going to use it. <laughs> a few other things on the record. So looking, and this is why I love getting music physically. And I, I've got the CD, which I'm, I'm holding in my hand, which I love and the packaging and all of that. But the thing is that, um, that I noticed is in the, in the songwriting, Almost every song is credited to you and somebody with the last name Stevens. Who did you co-write with? Yes. Um, I co-wrote with Scott Stevens, who he ended up being a, a, a co-producer on the album um, as well. Uh, when I was putting together my demos, uh, my first trip out of the house was to see Scott because, you know, again, I was kind of in a state of like, look, I have all these songs and I want to put them down. I, I can't really get with the band right now. Um, but let's, let's finish these up so that at, you know, at some point in time, when we get into the studio together, we can actually have these things together. So I went over to Scott's, uh, studio and it, we did this in a weird way. So I recorded all of the keeper vocals with him at his studio to the demos. Um, and then when we got into the studio, we built up the tracks to my keeper vocals, which is, is the complete opposite of the way we've ever done it before. Usually I'm the last one in the booth, you know, um, after the, the track is built. So it, it really definitely put a different energy to it. And, um, and Scott's amazing. He's my brother from another mother. And, um, he used to be in a band called the Exes and uh, oh, yeah. we've known each other for, oh my gosh, probably about 12 years now. And, uh, we've written together before. And it's, it's interesting because where, where I get stuck, he's got an idea or he gets stuck. I have an idea. So, um, it's just a, it's, it's a beautiful match and, and uh, he's just as obsessed, especially with the vocals, with producing vocals as I am. So we were like mad scientists in his studio. <laughs> well, and, and as far as the writing, as far as the writing partnership working, do, do you both equally write music and lyrics or the lyrics, all your department? How did that shake out? It's, you know, it's a little, it's a little of both. There, there was, there were times where I would come in, um, with an idea that like, okay, I just need to finish this up and, uh, or, or it's fully flesh. And then he's like, oh, like I have an idea here or, um, or he'll come to me or he'll, he would text me ideas and I would finish them at home. Either way, uh, it's, it's really, it's, it's, it goes, it depends on what the song needs and what makes the song exciting. And what I love writing, what I love about writing with Scott is that he doesn't, settle unless there's goosebumps so it's it he was uh it was it was great for me because i knew i had somebody that wasn't going to let me just be like okay that's fine and so with our forces combined um i mean i love every song on this record and and uh and we just took everything to 11 
who wrote psycho who came up with psycho crazy because that one scares me <laughs> <laughs> well i had a song i had a song called psycho and uh he ended up adding the crazy because he's like it can't just be psycho i'm like all right fine it's a little redundant but that's okay and uh, and uh so ended up you know kind of taking this piece into him and then we just kind of put the puzzle pieces together and um and then it's 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 just so funny because i i ended up telling him because he he hadn't seen me in a couple of years you know we hadn't written together in, in many years and and um and where we left off i wasn't necessarily doing any of those kind of crazy screams it was it was like some high parts and stuff like that and maybe some guttural stuff but nothing like white noise and so i'm like scott check this out i've been working on this for the past couple of years he's like oh my gosh we have to put that in so we ended up putting that in and then we went back to Wicked Ways and ended up doing more screams on that because now all of a sudden I had a new trick, you know, in my arsenal. So, yeah, it's just uh, it's it, you, the thing about songwriting is that you have to chase wherever the spark is and whatever is new. You can't just I, I mean, I I don't like repeating myself and I don't like just doing the same thing that we did in the last record, the last record or the record before that. So, um, so yeah, it was, it was fun to just kind of toy around with all of those things. Speaking of the vocals, I mean, your, 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 your voice is incredible. Everybody knows that, but I, I got to ask you a question because I'm curious about this. Now you're, you're younger than most of the people who are guests on this show, because generally a lot of the people that I, I talk uh, to are, are, you know, on the more towards the back end of their career and not more towards the front of it. You're five albums into your career now. You're still young. Um, a lot of singers I talk to, when I talk to them about records, they so so say if I'm talking to Lizzie Hale 30 years from now, God willing, I'm still here. God willing, you're still kicking ass. But <laughs> it, say say I was t- I'm talking to Lizzie Hale th- 30 years from now, and I'm talking about right. the Back from the Dead record. I would say to you something like, man, when you recorded those vocals, did you feel like you were painting yourself into a corner that you still have to sing them now <laughs> in 2050? <laughs> you know, do you oh ever think, gosh. do you ever think about that? Because I've had those conversations with so many singers who are in their sixties or seventies. And they're like, oh man, when I did that 40, 50 years ago, I didn't think I would still have to be singing it. Do you ever take that into account when you're cutting a vocal in the studio? Like, man, this is going to be really tough to do when I get older if I have to do it on stage. You know, I never think about it in the moment. It's only after the record comes out. And I'm like, oh, God. All right. Not only am I going to have to do this every night for the next, you know, many, many years, but like, yeah, exactly. It's like, okay, what's going to happen, you know, like you said, 30 years from now? And and honestly, I don't know. I mean, I've been – I've continued to train um, – something for you and anybody listening that you know should know is that nothing I do hurts um I I take my my uh my vocal balance very seriously so hopefully I mean like I I gotta hope that in 30 years I'll at least have some semblance of of where I'm at now now at the same time you know you can't you can't guarantee that. And there's also, you know, again, for anyone listening that's struggling to, I'm not, I don't sound like I did when I was 20. You know, I don't sound like I did when I was a teenager, you know, it's like your, your voice changes. And so really for me, it's, it's an honest and not a shameful thing. If you have to pivot or if you have to, you know, let the audience sing some parts or whatever, 30 years from now, that's fine by me. 
Um, I just hope that I can continue to tour. You know, it's I I saw this was a couple of years ago. I saw um, Joan Jett, Heart and Cheap Trick at the Ascend Amphitheater here in Nashville, and it was so beautiful. Like just what this is like life goals for me, you know. And um, I remember I think it was Robin Zander who had said at the end of the night, he's like, by the way, we're all in our 60s and 70s right now, and we're not using tracks. And we're all singing in the, in the original key, every song in the original key. And everybody cheered. And I'm like, all right, that's life goals. So yes. I, I guess all, all I can say is I'm going to do the best I can. <laughs> then that's all you can ask for as a, as a, as somebody who's such a, uh, you know, big fan of vocals and somebody who's so adamantly against the epidemic of tracks in live music. I don't, I don't care if there's, uh, you got to tune down a little bit or if you have to figure some stuff out. I mean, I, I went to see the black crows recently. Their backing singers were two women on mic stands standing in the corner, not a computer. And then Chris Robinson's still killing it. Just brilliant. I mean, brilliant. And you talk about somebody like Robin Zander. I mean, he's just a total freak. I mean, that guy's, it's crazy oh, yeah. what he can still do. So yeah. I mean, as long as you're keeping it real and it's still respectful and still close to what you once did. I mean, look, 30 years from now, I'll be God willing, 87. I don't think I'm still going to be alive to see it, but Lizzie, I hope you're still kicking ass. <laughs> well, I believe you will be, man. You'll uh, be right there side stage cheering me on. Maybe, uh, uh, you know, bring me my cane. I don't know. <laughs> I hope so. You, no, you'll be bringing me my cane, but I hope so. I can only hope so. The other thing about this record that I think is, is um, really interesting. One other thing on the record and you did this on Vicious as well. So it opens with just a, a Vicious open with Black Vultures, just slamming heavy track. Same with this record, Back from the Dead. And then you close this record with Raise Your Horns, much like you closed out the, the Vicious record with a, a very soft ballad as well, a beautiful song uh, called The Silence. Do you like doing that? Do you like opening super heavy and then leaving with a, a more light touch? Uh, you know, I I I think I believe that I do. There's just something about the calmness of it and just letting the listener sit with their thoughts after it all ends. Uh, but it also depends on the content. I mean, uh, my guitar player Joe and I went through. I, I'm not kidding. 38 different sequences um, for for this album. And you know, we started out as like, okay, how are we like if we were just going to run this as a set, how would we do it? And then I ended up kind of interjecting lyrically just kind of the arc of the story. And then we finally came up with this. And, and there was really, I mean, for me with Raise Your Horns, um, in my mind, as soon as it was written, it was kind of always going to be the closer. So, um, yeah, there's, there's just, there's something about for me, and maybe this is selfish of me, is that if I'm going to be screaming my head off in one song, I'm going to want to show you that other side on, on an album. Um, mainly because I think that if you're listening to this album for the first the first time and you've never heard any of our other records, never heard of Hailstorm before, I want you to see that vast array. But for me, Raise Your Horns is just such a, it's an uplifting, you know, song. Um, it's, it's soft. The, the lyrics are meaningful. And so I really wanted to kind of end with that kind of sum up of that story and just kind of leave everyone with a little bit of hope instead of wanting to uh, to punch a wall. <laughs> yeah, and the single, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention the current single from this record, Steeple, is it, it did, is it like number one at rock radio right now? 
hit number one and and uh man it's just crazy like we now we have back in the dead and steeple have both been number ones and i mean it's incredible like you you never look there's always that thing in your mind after you release an album how after it's no longer yours now it's out in the world it's theirs that like man did we do the right thing <laughs> is anybody gonna like any of this and so we're just so happy that it's getting um that it's uh getting the chance that it deserves and I imagine Steeple works great. I haven't seen you play it live yet, but I mean, just the the whole spirit of that song and the connection with the audience must be huge. I imagine that goes over big. Oh my gosh, absolutely! Before it even jingle, um, we you know when we were out with uh, with Evanescence on that tour, um, there were so many people that were sending me pictures of the lyrics tattooed on their arms and their. I mean, it's just amazing. I'm like, Jesus, this song isn't even out yet, really. <laughs> it's incredible. Um, so, you know, it's, it's just so good to know that the, the things that, that I, that, that personally that I was passionate about that people are connecting with and that, like I said, it's no longer mine, it's theirs. And so it's, it's a beautiful thing to see people take ownership of, of these silly songs that you create, you know, and man, it does go over well live, man. It, it's just, uh, it, it be, it's become a monster to the point that, like we keep rotating all of these new songs in and out of our sets. As, as I told you before, we, we switch up the set every night just to keep it fresh. And, uh, and people is one that we just, we can't take off the set. People are upset. So it's really awesome. <laughs> no, I think, I think you're, I think that's one of the ones where you're going to be figuring out how to sing it 30 years from now and say, I got to still do this thing. <laughs> that That's there for life. I think going forward, Lizzie, for sure. Um, Absolutely. Hey, and and that, those are some high notes too. So we'll, we'll see in 30 years. <laughs> Might have to drop that one down a bit. It's drop, already in drop C sharp. So, <laughs> or I'm sorry, drop C, but yeah. As long, as long as there's no pro tools rig and I'm like, Lizzie's lip sync. And as long as that's not the case, you're all good. Do it, whatever you got to do. I'm all good with that. So, um, but Lizzie, one other thing on the record that I'm curious about, and this is more of like from a marketing business perspective. So you, the band Hailstorm in the recorded history have, has been the same four people ever since the first record with, of course, Josh, Joe, your brother, RJ, and yourself. And um, interestingly, and I know that this generally tends to happen with just about any band you can pick out, there's always going to be a focal point on the front person, usually the singer of the band. Clearly you're that in this band on back from the dead. And on the previous record record vicious, the first time in the band's history that on both records, you alone are on the cover. And I'm just curious, knowing that you guys are all so tight and have been together so long. Is that a conversation with the other three guys saying you're not making the cover? Um, how does that work? To, to, to be completely honest, it was their, it's been their idea for, for for these past few albums that has not even been brought up by me. Um, you know, it, it it ends up settling in there, and then all of a sudden the guys are like, "Yeah, just put Lizzie's face on the cover." <laughs> like, <laughs> seriously, guys? And they're, they're like, "Yeah, we're fine. We're just, you know, they they they're not necessarily like the most thrilled. Maybe, well, maybe my brother. He's thrilled to do anything, but they're not <laughs> the most thrilled to do the photo shoots thing and like have their like faces and do poses and stuff like that. And that's something that I enjoy doing. Um, so they, they throw that stuff at me all the time. And it goes the same thing with music videos. They're like, can we just put Lizzie here and like do that? Or do we have to do this? Or can we just like play our own? 
So they're they're very they're it's an interesting breed that I have in my band. My my bandmates have been so so supportive, almost to the point that it's annoying, and um and and they're just my allies. You know, they 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 know me better, I think, than most of my own family does at this point. And uh, it's just uh, it's 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 funny to kind of let them kind of or not let them, but like have them want to kind of push me out there. Um, which, you know, obviously like I, I'm up for the challenge, but, uh, but I'm always, I, I, there's always the second conversation. like, are you guys sure? Like we could just do something really crazy. Like with all four is like, no, this is great. I'm like, okay, we want it to look like a movie poster, <laughs> that kind of conversation. Like, all right, fine, I'll do it. Um, and, uh, so it's, 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 uh, it's, it's an interesting dynamic. And, and then they trust me with words, which I still don't understand why, um, which I, I really, I, I would love to have like, like a small, like, I, I want to do an interview with the rest of my bandmates and just be like, finish this line and just bring up one of our own songs that we've been playing for like 10 years. <laughs> like finish this because most of the time, except for RJ, RJ is the one that, that actually, the drummer, of course, is the one that actually pays attention. But the other two are like, uh, wait, is, uh, I'm like, like literally I like that kick in the. Yeah, oh yeah. Oh the face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> it's 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 always funny, but yeah, we I mean, we haven't changed much. And not I mean, we're still as immature as we ever have been, you know. The fart jokes are very much alive on the hailstorm bus. Um, but uh but also I, I don't know. We we just we're still the same weird kids that were in my parents' basement and and we still kind of have that same dy- dynamic. We support each other in each other's endeavors, but um yeah, they, they've never had a weird ego about any of that stuff, which is weird. I'm like waiting for the, the shoe to drop here, but we've been together yeah, well, a long time. Usually it's a red flag. Usually it's like, oh boy, you know, the other people aren't going to be happy, but you're saying they actually encourage it. And by the way, that it's not all that uncommon. It generally tends to happen, especially when there's a very dynamic front person leading the band. I mean, I, I remember having this conversation with Luke from the Struts, and I love that band, and he's very much the focal point of that band. On the, the second record, they only put him on the cover. I'm like, hey, Jeff, to have a talk with Adam and everybody about that? He's like, oh, mate, I've never even really thought about that. It just kind of happened. So <laughs> sometimes it's organic, and it's just from a marketing thing, It's the or, or it's a disinterest from the other people and say, no, that's the person we're going to put up front. But I'm just always curious about that. Like, is that a conversation, or is there an argument about it, or is it in the case of what you're saying, it was actually encouraged by your bandmates. Yeah, I, I'm still thinking I'm going to put RJ on the album. Just, with some weird <laughs> just him. Just face. put him on the cover. Just him. <laughs> just put him on the cover. Yeah, no, I mean, if, if any of them ever, and, and this is just personally for me, if any ever, you know, raise concerns about that, um, obviously there'll be an adjustment and a conversation and it's, it's fine by me. Um, but yeah, like I said, it's, they, they're, I mean, all, all three of them are pretty private. You know, uh, my brother is, is vibrating somewhere today <laughs> in the world. You know, it's like, you can probably hear him from wherever you are. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I think that it's just whatever makes everybody comfortable. It's like, you know, I've, I've never dictated what anybody wears. Um, you know, what anybody does, we all do this stuff together, you know, like, just like we always have been. And it's pretty impressive to have, I mean, most bands do not have the same lineup. You're, you're pretty much right around at 20 years with these, these other three people. I mean, throughout, and again, the recorded history of the band, the same members to, you know, to go through five records and 20 plus years and not have a lineup change is, is very uncommon in, in rock, as you well know. 
Oh, yeah. I, I feel like that's probably one of our biggest accomplishments. I mean, you know, Grammy Schmammy. I mean, we're we're still we actually still like each other, which I mean, we've been on tours. We still we still, you know, go out on tours with bands that don't even speak until they're on stage. And I'm like, well, that must be horrible. And, um, you know, we've we've always, you know, supported and loved each other. And and we've been through a lot of ups and downs. We've been like through through uh this whole roller coaster ride together and nobody really knows, you know, I mean, knows us the way we all know us. So it, it really is like a marriage and, and which is uh, weird because it's like I'm married to three guys and one of them is my brother. So <laughs> it's just, it's just, maybe I should, I, I should probably just say family and not marriage because, you know, blabber mouth will get a hold of that. Right. But, um, but yeah. The incestuous Lizzie uh, Hale. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. That'll be the headline. Oh God. But, um, my brother will kill me. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's, it's great. I love, I love the boys and I, I, uh, I, I couldn't imagine doing it with anybody else. And because there is something about, uh, you know, the, the way that we all meet in the middle, you know, what I can do is something that th- the three boys cannot, but, I can't do the same thing that Joe does. I can't do the same thing that Josh does. I can't, I, nobody can do anything that RJ can do. And it's just what, like one of those things where with our, like I said, with our forces combined, um, you know, with, uh, with all four of us together, uh, making these decisions and moving forward and, and the way that we play together, um, it just wouldn't be hailstorm without all the four of us. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. It's 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 pretty. It's it's definitely pretty special. And when you talk about the history of Hailstorm and you talk about the the past a little bit, I also read recently that you had a bit of a, a huge landmark moment where the second album, which came out ten years ago, the Strange Case of Did I read right that that recently went platinum? Yep, that's it. It just went platinum. It's crazy. We got like the news. I'm like. Ooh, it was a long way, way to get here, but we got there, damn it. And um, yeah, what what a crazy thing. Uh, first that, platinum album and ended up being our second. That's crazy. Congrats, because that's a huge accomplishment. I mean, having done this myself like 40 years, I mean, I remember there was a time where you got a little radio, you got a little MTV, and you had a gold record, and another yeah. se- a second record did well, and platinum record, and I was lucky enough to have some a bunch of them put on my wall, and it was a, it was a kind of a normal thing. It was very cool, and now it's like far and few between to hear of an artist scoring gold, let alone platinum. And I know it's probably calculated differently now because they they take into account streams and all of that, right? Yeah, but for uh, for many years, um, especially with you know with our our earlier records, that wasn't being counted. Um, so it's only as of recently that that's you know being taken into account. So I mean, for for me, that's part of the reason why it took so long. And, um, and yeah, like you said, it's, it's a, it's a different time. So, uh, so yeah, for me, it's, it's an accomplishment to, to actually get there in this, you know, in 2022, um, with something that we released in 2012. It's, it's, uh, it's crazy. So yeah, I called up the rest of the guys and we all had a toast and it's, uh, you know, it's, it's good stuff, man. I, I, can't That's great. Believe it. I cannot, I cannot believe that. I mean, if you had told my 13 year old self, when we had our, um, our first gig, actually, Jesus, that was 1997, which means it'll be 25 years of hailstorm this year. Um, if I'm doing the math correctly. And, and it's just, uh, if you had told me when I was 13, that I'd still be doing this, that I'd be, you know, still, you know, successful, still on the climb. I mean, 
I probably wouldn't believe you, you know? So it's, uh, it's just, I'm, I'm so incredibly grateful um, for all the things that are happening to us right now. Yeah, well, you deserve it. It's great stuff, and I'm, I'm happy for you. It's really, really cool. A couple quick things, and I'll let you move on. The uh, the tour, now you've done some stuff already, but you've got a tour coming up with another uh, band that I absolutely love. And uh, last year, the record was my favorite record of the year, and that's The Pretty Reckless. I know you're going out and doing some shows with them. That's going to be an incredible, incredible double bill. And then also on the bill, you have a really, really young band from Mexico that I've heard a lot about called The Warning. And I'm looking at the billing now, also a band called Lilith Czar, who I'm not familiar with. So tell me about this tour coming up and the opening acts. Oh, my goodness. Well, Taylor Momsen and I um, are, are buddies. She actually was my uh, lockdown um, happy hour FaceTime buddy for, <laughs> for for a while there. Um, you know, we would we would FaceTime each other and just have a drink or something. And, and um you know, so we've been talking about this for a while, like, okay, as soon as the schedules open up, we have to have a tour. And, uh, and really, I mean, this is a beautiful time for all of us and, and not to get all rah-rah women on you right here, but it's it's a really good time for all of us to kind of stand and support each other. So um, Lil Zazar is uh, one of our good friends. She actually uh, opened up for half of our Evanescence tour um, last tour, and we became friends. And so we're like, oh, let's do this again. And then the warning, um, I've, I've never seen live. I've watched videos. Um, I've been in love with these three sisters from Mexico. Uh, they got their start with I, I guess they went viral uh doing metallica covers they absolutely shred all of them are under 21 and um i wanted to have them on the tour because i, I want to be chat i want to walk on stage being like geez those 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 young whippersnappers are shredding like we've got to <laughs> practice <laughs> i like i i want that and um and so i'm, I'm really excited to see how the audience uh, perceives them i think they're going to love them um, and yeah, I mean, it's just, uh, it's, it's just a wonderful thing to be able to go out with your friends, with the people that you love to support each other. Um, and also, you know, just to kind of, I'm, I'm in a very unique position right now where, um, I'm not necessarily the new gun anymore, but I am able to kind of light a torch and pass it you know, to some, to some young artists that are really amazing and just introduce our audience to this whole other world. And, um, and also just to be able to like all, all of us from all different walks of life. Um, it's an all woman bill and to be able to look out in the audience and see all of these young girls that love rock that own this genre and be like, Hey man, we did it. So can you. So it's just that it's a, it's a beautiful thing to be a part of. Yeah, I think it's great. We've talked about that, you and I, in the past. I mean, the gains from women in, in rock music, whether it be this bill you've, you you have with all women in it, or whether it be, just as we've said in the past uh, in some conversation, what you see out there on the road, whether it's uh, tour managers or women working on the stage crews. I mean, it's it's great, great advances in, in that area. And I think it's great that you're putting a bill together like that, because above and beyond anything, uh, well, three of the four bands I know are great bands. So you, th that, that to me is the most important thing of it, but also the fact that it's the advancement of women in rock. I mean, I think that's a beautiful thing. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be great, man. And, you know, it's, it's the more and more that um, that we are doing all of these, you know, we've been doing all these festivals and, and out on the road. And um, 
it's just it's amazing to see even the audience like all of these women owning this genre i mean like i mean you you know you know me eddie i like i you know i grew up on alice cooper and dio and and uh you know i i found out i was weird because i listened to all that stuff <laughs> when i was 11 i'm like oh i'm not like the other girls okay i get it now um but you know we we listen to this because it is our music it's what makes us feel good so to see that ownership even in the girls in the audience you know crowd surfing doing their thing um you know we we didn't get into it to impress our boyfriends this is this is our genre so it's just uh it's it's a wonderful thing and i cannot wait to to get on tour with my buddies and and uh and do the rock shows i mean it's it's my happy place i'm gonna get back there real soon yeah and then later in the year you're gonna do europe where you guys are opening for alter bridge who i absolutely love alter bridge and for p i've told people this before that don't know it Alter Bridge outside of America is actually a, a huge band, arena headlining band. And I love those guys to death. I uh, love their music. That is a phenomenal bill as well, where you guys, I'm, I'm imagining, will be in the support slot there. Yes, yes, absolutely. And, and it's, it's so crazy that the difference uh, between the, the, the fandomonium of rock fans in overseas versus here. Um, over there, it's not like a passing, like, oh, we're going to go to a concert. It's entertainment. They, like, live, eat, and breathe it over there. So if you are good, and, um, and obviously, as you know, uh, Mr. Miles Kennedy is one of the greatest singers of rock, and um, he does not mime. <laughs> um, no, God, which, by no. the way, in Europe and, and the UK, that does not fly over there. We've been over to, overseas with uh, with some bands that that use the tracks and that are lip syncing, and they know. And then we would watch like the feed pop up after their set, be like, "He's miming. What's going on? It's all fake." Like, so you can't really pull that off over there um, as a rock band. I mean, you can pull it off, but people know. And uh, so it's, I'm just excited to to watch those guys play. They're incredible players. Again, I'm going to be inspired every single night by those guys. And, I can't wait to see them all. I, I haven't seen anybody in a, in a long time. So this is really, I mean, maybe it's a selfish move again, but like putting together these tours because I want to see everybody. Yeah. <laughs> I want to hang with my buds. Yeah, no, no doubt for sure. And are you going to, like when I saw you at Rocklahoma a year ago, it, it was a, obviously a no hang zone because everybody was buttoned up and bubbled and masked and all that. A lot of that has seemed to subside. Where do you land on that right now? Are you out and about? Or are you still going to kind of be laying low? Um, we've been trying to keep it tight. Our last tour, we were out um, on a headlining tour, and we had uh, um, SCP opening up for us and also Blackstone Cherry. And uh, as much as we were trying to keep the bubble tight, um, our opening acts kept dropping like flies. We ended up doing the last of the tour all by ourselves, just doing three hours, <laughs> a three-hour show. Um, so, you know, we, we – uh, you know, we, we do the best that we can. Um, we understand why people want to, you know, get out and be lenient and all that. But uh, still, it's like as soon as, you know, COVID runs rampant during, you know, you know, with a, with a tour party, um, you're going to end up having to cancel shows. So we, we do it just so we can keep playing. Um, you know, so that being said, we'll see where we're at <laughs> when we're uh, when we're out on tour, if, if everything's looking good. But if there's still some stuff spreading around, you know, we just got to keep it uh, keep it all good and buttoned up. And one other quick one for for me, just covering all the stuff you got going on. I a couple of years ago, you were super kind to send me one of your um, Explorer guitars 
the Epiphone, which is just beautiful, the white one with the gold trim, and I really, really appreciate that. I noticed that, uh, did you come out with a new design? Is there a second Lizzie Hale guitar that you are now yeah. Uh, selling? Yeah, we just released uh, my Explorer Bird, which is uh, you know, Cardinal Red, Rosewood, um, uh, fingerboard and uh, it is a an explorer body but a fire a firebird headstock so th this is this is this is why it's dangerous with my Gibson family because I was talking about this at NAM right before lockdown that was like my last outing was at NAM and and you know we had had a had a glass of wine or two at dinner and like you know what <laughs> I turned to them like you know it'd be really cool <laughs> and ended up describing this guitar and then all of a sudden like it was like a month later, like one showed up at my door and be like, do you think we should release this? And so it's been a long time coming um, for uh, for us to do this. And we made a commercial for it. And uh, so I'm, I'm excited um, that it's out in the world right now. But uh, but yeah, I've got another weapon in my arsenal. That's awesome. That's awesome. And, you know, just in closing, I was thinking about this, too. When you look at the history of your band, it's so, so much cool stuff. It's been an incredible ride. It's the way it started. I mean, I, I told you this. I remember uh, I remember when you guys first got signed to Atlantic. Uh, I used to have um, I think it was Anthony uh, Delia back then. I think he used to call me and oh, yeah. you were doing the covers EPs. And he's like, what do you think Hailstorm should do? And what about Hell is for Children or Slave to the Grind? And he was running stuff by me. And like, just, just having been there since the earliest years hearing about the band and watching the growth has been amazing. And I was thinking about this the other day. You guys really getting, getting signed around 08 or whatever it was to Atlantic Records, you really got in just under the wire of the traditional model of the music industry, meaning that we're in a time now where I say it all the time. The good news is anybody can make music and put it out. The bad news is anybody can make music and put it out, yeah. meaning it's a little too oversaturated and it's kind of hard to stand out from the pack. And it's like, well, this one has a record deal. This one doesn't, this one doesn't want one. You pretty much, if I'm not mistaken, at least in timeline, got the last bite of like, getting a major label deal and going that route. And um, I, I think, you know, you got, I, I think there's some, some benefit to that because it, it elevates you to a different platform where now, I mean, I get hit up by people all the time with bands starting out and I don't know what to tell them. Like, they're like, do we need a record deal? Do we don't? Do we do we put out videos? Yeah. Do we don't? Do we get a manager? Like no one knows it's the wild west, but Back 12, 13, 14 years ago, when you guys got signed, it was still, there was still the structure of the model that meant getting a deal meant something and you had accomplished something and it set you apart a little bit. Absolutely. I mean, we, you and I have had this conversation before. We, we grew up old school and our lessons in, uh, you know, in, in learning the tears of, of a, a building career of, of a young band, I mean, that was, uh, that was a stepping stone. And so when we got signed to Atlantic in 05, um, that was definitely, it, it, we treated it as such. It was an accomplishment and, uh, you know, we signed the papers and then we went out on tour and finally got in and do, did our record. I mean, I feel like we're really lucky because, because of that time, we were given time to grow. We were given time to tour. We were, we didn't have to be, you know, I mean, you know, obviously we, we were decent players, but like, we didn't have to be like, okay, this has to go number one right now or you're out. You know, I feel like with, you know, with a lot of, you know, a lot of young artists right now, they, they don't, 
they, they're not given the chance to actually get in front of an audience before they before they're trying to like figure out who they are you know so it's just uh um we're we're really lucky and i i absolutely agree i was probably the last bastion <laughs> i feel like if we were trying now we would be one of those bands emailing you eddie like what do we do <laughs> i don't know what to do do i just go viral i'll just like make a bunch of you know youtube uh you know videos i don't know what am i doing so um so yeah we feel really lucky to just kind of like have those goals set and and i feel like we're still we're still doing it, doing it old school. Obviously, there's the social media and there's all these other, uh, you know, um, I, I should say icing on the cake. But because because we have that kind of grounded foundation, um, by the time all of this, this, as you put it, Wild West kind of exploded, um, at, at least we, we have some footing and we know what to do about it, you know. Yeah, no doubt. Well, listen, I appreciate all the time. It's always good to catch up with you. Congrats on everything. And everybody can learn more on the Hailstorm dates, wherever you're listening. The website is hailstormrocks.com and Lizzie and Hailstorm on social media as well. And the website is where you'll find all the shows coming up. And of course, Back from the Dead, the new album, another killer one is out there right now. Great to talk to you. Thanks again. And I hope to see you out there somewhere soon. Oh, great to talk to you too, Eddie. Love you, man. And and don't forget to practice that G chord. <laughs> I know, you know, I knocked it around a little bit during during the uh, during the lockdown. I it's too beautiful to not try playing, uh, but I'm I'm still working at it. I can't promise you that I got a chord under me yet, but I'm working on it. It's okay. When I see, you, I'll teach you to drop D, and and then you just use one finger. <laughs> uh, that's about as complicated as I can get. So that sounds good. That's a deal. All right, Lizzie. Thank you so much. Take care. All right. All right. Thank you, darling. Bye bye. Well, my thanks to Lizzie Hale. Check out the new album, which is absolutely killer and super crushing and heavy. Love what Hailstorm is doing lately. I look forward to seeing them soon on the road. That tour with the Pretty Reckless will be awesome. Myrtle Beach is the beach. 60 miles of bright sand, water, and a wealth of wonderful music playing day and night. You can step into a simple beach bar and discover a surprising level of exciting musical talent. A place to kick back and groove to the enticing soundtrack of the most unexpected vacations around. With nothing but good vibes floating through the warm ocean air. Plan your own music-filled trip to America's Jukebox at visitmyrtlebeach.com. Next up on the podcast this week, James Labrie. He has a brand new solo album out. We also talk some dream theater. Here's how that conversation went. Hey, James, it's Eddie. How are you, man? I'm doing great, Eddie. How are you? I'm good. You know, uh, just to update you, we've had a few callers about this. So every, I don't know, every month or every month, I do a show dedicated to Canadian rock artists. And I have usually sitting in with me Sebastian Bach and Todd Kearns and Brent Fitz and these all these different people who are from Canada. And we have uh, okay. listeners in Canada. So they all call in and shout out their favorite Canadian rock acts and things that should have been huge in America, but were only big in Canada. And I was just telling the audience, I said, yeah. maybe we're going to have to pull James into that at some point because you're Canadian. Do you have a favorite Canadian band that you thought should have been bigger and isn't in America, James? Uh, no, because my favorite Canadian band was Rush, and, and they did it, you know, big time. So, uh, But I completely agree. There were so many bands that I was aware of in the 80s when I was down in Toronto chasing my dream 
uh, you know, great bands, great talent, and they never went anywhere beyond the uh, the Canadian border. So it's it's very unfortunate, but I don't know. It just seems to be that dilemma, you know. And and I'm not putting anything down uh, up there. It seems like they'll sign with the Canadian label, and then uh, beyond that border, they might do some dates in Buffalo, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and then beyond that, it's like uh, they're oblivious to everyone else, and it, it's really unfortunate because we have great talent. I mean, as you know as well, there's there's amazing musicianship up in. Uh, up in Toronto, up in uh, Vancouver, all around, all around Canada. Yeah, some people have yeah. brought up the thing that, that that in Canada there is that content rule where radio has to play a certain amount of Canadian artists, and they've pointed to that as maybe one of the reasons why those bands got a leg up yeah. there and, and didn't get quite the same attention in America. Yeah, to be honest with you, Eddie, if I can be honest, I've never, you're talking about CanCon, and I've never ever supported that i think if anything it promotes mediocrity so all of a sudden music has borders and you know what music's universal there should never be any borders based on where you're from that's why you get the attention no way it should be based on it's good music or it's not and that should be the way it is and you know who else was a big advocate of that was brian adams he was like no way never supported cancon i think it's a bad idea i think it limits uh, the talent, the true talent that we have, and I completely agree. I, I don't support that at all, and I know that I'm going to get raked over the coals with uh, with CanCon, but I've mentioned this before, so they're aware of my, my Tom Atholl situation. Is that still a thing, James? Is it still in place in Canada? As far as I know. So let me give you an example, and you tell me. You tell me if this makes sense, Eddie. Okay, as you know, I've done several uh, solo albums. Okay, mm -hmm. which we're going to talk about your new one here in a second. Okay, and I thank you for that. But okay, so there was one album, uh, Elements of Persuasion, that I released back in 2004. Okay, I was so you have to have three merits to become under the uh, the, the CanCon, uh, you know, a label, so to speak. So you can get that maple leaf sticker on your album and you can get played on the radio and you can get promoted like hell throughout Canada. So you tell me if there's something wrong here. Okay. I was main, one of the main composers along with Matt Guillory. Okay. I was producer and I'm Canadian and I recorded up. I recorded all my stuff up in Canada in the, uh, you know, in one of the studios actually with, actually with Rich Chicky. Okay, and they said you don't fall under the category, and I said I'm sorry, I believe I do, and they they stipulated no, uh, no that that's not right. You don't measure up to the credentials that are necessary. I said okay, I see how this is, I, you know. And at that point, I was like, this is absolutely ridiculous. Why, James? Why did they say that? Say what was the what was the what was the box you didn't check in that situation? I'll tell you what the box was. The fact that the rest of the band so my other my other guy like i said matt guillory he's he's u.s okay and the bass player was brian beller u.s and the guitar player uh, was from well italy and the drummer was mike mangini okay so i had three other americans on on the band in the band and i had an italian in the band and they said, no, there's not enough Canadian 
uh, elements here to support the CanCon labeling. And I said, oh, well, there you go. See, this is all twisted. Yeah. And uh, I said, you know, at that point, I said, give me a freaking break. And the label was upset, too. The label was like, I don't get it either. It doesn't add up. It doesn't make any sense. You know, and I said, oh, okay. So I had to have, what, Canadian bands? I thought you said cred- three credentials, and then you're in. And I said, no way. I wonder so if they held point, a bi- yeah. I wonder if they held a bias against you because you want an American band. <laughs> you know, as crazy as yeah, that well, sounds. This is, this is, yeah. You know what? I wouldn't doubt it. They, I wouldn't doubt it. They, they knew who I was. You know, wait a minute, James. Oh, he's in Dream Theater. That's an American band. Now he's getting American musicians to help him out in his uh, in his solo albums as well as you know a European. Like I don't know, Eddie. I can't figure it out. But they were, you know. They were uh, stringent on the fact that no, I did not meet their criteria. So yeah, and I remember when you put that record out because I, I had you on for that record. That was a real good record, and I remember yep, Mangini was on. Yep. I remember we did something that's going yep. back over fifteen years, but I do remember that. Oh, it's yeah. crazy how long ago that was, man. It's nuts. Well, you you've <laughs> got a how long ago everything was. I know, I know. Well, you've got a new record out now that we're talking about here in 2022 called Beautiful Shade of Grey. It sounds great. You know, I heard material from it, some of the pre-release stuff, and I I reached out to Roy, who's working it, and I I said, man, tell James this is really good-sounding stuff. And I said, if he wants to come on and talk about it, let's do it. And uh, at that time, he said you were getting ready to head over to Europe, and then we'd get you when you got back home. So what what was going on in Europe? Did you do do solo shows, or were you with Dream Theater? No, Dream Theater. We just did six and a half weeks uh, all throughout Europe, and it it went great. Um, You know, it's, uh, it's still, you know, there's still the COVID hangover, Eddie, going on. So, um, you, you know, some of the shows were a little lighter than we had expected. But what was crazy is as the tour went on, the rooms were, you know, hey, guys, you're sold out tonight. Hey, guys, you know what? It's, it's going to be packed tonight. And that became more and more evident as lo- the, longer the, al- or the longer the tour was in, uh, in place. Um, but when we first started out, you know, it was like half-filled rooms, three-quarter rooms, and the promoter's like, don't worry about it, guys. This isn't your fault. This is happening to every single artist out there. And uh, we're like, wow. You know, people are still very much affected by it over here. But, you know, like I said, by the time we were maybe two, three weeks into it, everything looked like a a normal Dream Theater tour, and it was amazing. It was excellent. We finished in uh, Istanbul just last uh, Wednesday. Oh, wow. We finished there on June 1st and and that was amazing we played this big outdoor venue and there's about 10,000 people and it was just kicking butt big time big time yeah of course uh, yeah, the latest so the, tour I, yeah no, no I was just gonna say the latest album of you from the top of the world is out there now when you talk about playing in all these other countries and places I mean that's been a signature for Dream Theater since really the early days uh, playing globally and the audience you have globally you know, I'm curious James in, in all your years of doing that is there one place in the world that really stands out where there was a gig that just really you know, totally blew your mind or a setting or a, a, a country or a, a city where it was just uh, surreal to be there and to be playing your music? Uh, yeah, there was a, a, there was a show that we did over in uh, Poland. I can't remember it's the exact, uh, oh my God, the exact location. And we played in front of, Check this out: seven hundred and fifty thousand people, oh. and it, it it was 
unbelievable. And the entry into the concert was that they do a, uh, it's a charitable concert. So you bring dry good foods and you get in. And I'm not exaggerating here, Eddie. Uh, on the way in, the drive in, we had to go through five miles of tents to get to the stage. So you're seeing tents five miles out from the venue. I mean, thousands, tens of thousands of freaking tents. And we're like, what the hell (laughs) is going on? And we had no idea. So just to give you some perspective, okay, so we played played in there uh, that night, and it was 750,000 people at this venue. The next night, uh, we played in Germany at a big festival, and it was 75,000 people. We were like, guys, this is freaking 10% of what we played last night. And there's still 75,000 people up front. And it was just blew our minds. It's like, holy shit. Who thought playing in front of 75,000 people, you just came down that much. And it was unbelievable. Like it, it was the first time that I saw uh, a wheelchair surfing in the crowd <laughs> when I was at this show. I kid because the stage was up. We, we were up a good 15, 20 feet. And it was, it was unbelievable. It really was. That was, that was the most uh, surreal experience for each and every one of us. We were like, Oh my God. Like, I'm not kidding you. Like uh, you see, you know, the, the audio and they had these great big audio setups. And there was one that they said that was four football fields out to reach the people. Wow! Yeah, and, and for bank, you, bank, for yeah. you, for yeah. you, James, as the as the the singer and the guy that's got to sing to that many people, do what, yeah. what's your what's your approach in that in that situation to a huge crowd like that? Do you just really focus on the few rows in front of you? I mean, I imagine that's all you can really do, right? Yeah, yeah, because it's dark and you know you got the lights blinding you basically. But you know what? Eddie? Here's a crazy thing: I find it easier to sing in front of thousands of people than if you said, Hey, uh, James, can you come over to my house, man? I'm, I'm going to have like a 20 people and maybe you and somebody else, you know, you could, like it, uh, you could sing a couple songs. I'd find that no, more do that at your place than I would to go on stage and, and sing in front of 40,000 people. I, I kid you not. And I've talked to other people about that. And they said, yeah, same thing because it's so intimate. It's so personal. Right. Not yeah. that I wouldn't do that for you, Eddie. No problem. You invite me, I'll come. <laughs> you know? But I, I appreciate I mean, you know, that. It's, 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 yeah, it's so bizarre. It's so bizarre that that whole take is like, hey, put me in front of 1,000 people, no problem. You want to put me in front of 20 people, I'll see you later. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah, it that's really good. is. Yeah. Well, well yeah. Let, let's yeah. talk about let's talk about your record, uh, Beautiful Shade of Grey. It's your sure. fourth solo record. It's out now. Uh, one of the things that really struck me about it, James, when I heard it was not only your voice, which I always have been a fan of, but also the musicianship on it and the guitar playing, some really tasty, beautiful guitar playing throughout the record. Did you make this record with some of your uh, previous collaborators or are there new people on it? This is a brand new chapter, completely brand new chapter, Eddie. So what I did is... um. Uh, I'm going to edit this for you real quick. So uh, back in 2011, I was asked by a band called Eden's Curse to sing on uh, one of their songs called No Holy Man. I did it. They're, they're a band from from Europe. And, and the main one of the main composers is Paul Logue, and he's from Scotland, just outside of Glasgow. 
And him and I kind of formed a relationship, a, a good friendship. And, and I just respected him because he came more. I said to him, I go, hey, who's doing a lot of the writing in your band? He goes, I am. And he's a bass player. And I said, hey, you know, I have a ton of ideas, a ton of uh, music ideas and song ideas and lyrics and melodies and blah, blah, blah. Let's get together sometime. Fast forward 10 years later, Dream Theater just finished our last show in Glasgow on February 23rd of 2020. Little did we know that would be the last show for almost two years, just three weeks shy of two years before we did another show. And I bump into him in the Glasgow airport and bang, we talk. And I said, hey, do you hear about this uh, ugly virus that might, you know, uh, be a reality? We're going to get shut down. Yeah. And he, I said, if that happens, let's do what we talked about. Let's write an album. But I want it to be acoustically based. An acoustic album, let's think Zeppelin, that you could strum any Zeppelin song. And it's still a classic. It's still timeless. They're still one of the greatest bands that ever existed by far. Led Zeppelin three. What can I tell you, right? Eddie, immigrant song. Uh, Since I've been loving you, Gallows oh, Pole. Yeah. That's the way. You know, give me a break, right? So of course. he said, absolutely, absolutely, James. I'm 100 percent there. We started writing. Like, you know, the no, the world shut down March 15th. There, thereabouts, and uh, we started writing this album. And it started out, Eddie, as just a a acoustic guitar. And, and Paul has a beautiful six-string, 12-string, and he's an amazing uh, just guitar player. And then we were like, wait a minute, two songs in. I said, hang on, uh, we're going to overstay our welcome if we just keep it, you know, acoustic guitar and vocals. Come on, you can only sit around a campfire so long and strum an acoustic and sing. And then people are like, okay, what's next, man? Get the marshmallows out, right? So I said... Hey, you know what? I think you need to fall in song. And, and Paul's like, I'm glad you brought that up. I was going to say the same thing. So at that point, we got uh, Marco Spoli, who you know has played. Uh, he's been my lead guitarist on three of my other solo albums, Elements, Static Impulse, and then Permanent Resonance. And he said, absolutely, I want to be on board. And then we got Christian Polkinen, who's the keyboard player with uh, Eden's Curse and, and some other bands. And then I got my son. Paul said, I want your son to play because I love his drumming. And uh, so I said, well, then, Paul, better coming from you instead of me because it'll sound like a loaded card here, and it's a force card. So Paul said, Chance, do you want to play on this? And then Chance got fully involved in the uh, in the arrangements and all that stuff and actually became one of the co-producers. So that's how that all came together. And then we started to build it as a full ensemble album that became what it was. But Zeppelin was our, our reference I said, you know, I just want to think classic Zeppelin, Zeppelin 3, Zeppelin 2, Zeppelin 1, which to me was just phenomenal albums. Not that the other ones weren't. I mean, you know, and I just said, if we can think of that in mind, I don't want to be a copycat. And then eventually we ended up doing Ramble On. Yeah, I was going to say, you actually did a Zeppelin song, yeah. Yeah. And my first choice, Eddie, was I, I wanted to do That's the Way, which is from Zeppelin 3. That's the way... That's the way it ought to be. And, and and Paul said, wait a minute, wait a minute. I saw, he said, I saw uh, an interview with you, and you said one of your favorite songs was Ramble On. I said, it is one of my favorite sub songs. He said, well, let's do that. And I said, okay, I'm in. Let's just go for it. And that's all Yeah, I'm no, it's, it's a great so version. A, yeah, thank you. It, it, it's a great version. And you've got, you've got another interesting thing about the record, too, where you've got the same song a song called Devil and Drag that opens and closes the record in two different types of versions. Tell me about that. 
Uh, that again was Paul's idea. He said, you know what? This song begs to be played uh, full on electric. And, and um, I don't know if you agree with me on this, Eddie. Maybe you can tell me your take, but but the electric version, I think it kicks ass. It really yeah. does. But but um, I said to Marco, I said, Marco, who's, who's doing all the soloing, you know, and he did a phenomenal job playing all the solos uh, acoustically. And then I said, this is where you can really just be yourself. And, and I said, just go crazy on this song. And to me, it's so reminiscent of one of the greatest, if not the greatest guitar player in the world, uh, Eddie Van Halen. Um, and it's just a nod, like he, he, his solo, his structuring, his, his uh, expression in that was just incredible. And, um, but anyways, yeah, you know, it, it was a song, if you listen to Devil and Drag as it starts out, when it's acoustically being, being played, it still knocks you back, you know? And then we thought, hey, if we do this electric, it kind of gives people a hint if we were to do that, you know, um, with the same um, collection of musicians, if we follow this up with another album where it becomes more uh, a full-on electric. Yeah, no, it's a cool it's a cool way to bookend the track listing and to set to set yeah. set it and close it in two different ways. I I think it's uh you know that's really cool. Now, are you going to be able to? I mean, I mean, we know that Dream Theater is active. I know you probably have some more stuff coming up, mm -hmm. which we we can talk about. Sure. But the guys, I mean, I know mm -hmm. Jordan's out there right now doing a tour with his stuff. I know that uh, right. I had John on for his own record. He did a solo record not too long ago. So you yep. get to do some yep. solo records here and there. So it's nice you guys get to do this stuff outside of the mothership in there. But is that going to give you an yeah. opportunity, James, to go out and do some shows as uh, unknown name, or is that not going to be possible yeah. with schedule? Well, yeah, I'm actually pretty excited. So I, I've already been approached by um, uh, a big uh, promoter over in Europe. And what they want to do is, is, so they said, listen, you know, things are still kind of settling. The dust is still settling. So then we know that you're on tour with uh, Dream Theater and so on, et cetera, et cetera. What we would like is you to come over here to uh, Europe and maybe do three weeks of select shows next May. So the spring of 2023. And the talk is, is that they, what they would like to do is to put me into cathedrals and small castles and you know, maybe have it so it's like 500 people to 1,000 people, make it very exclusive, make it very intimate, and uh, just a, a memorable evening. And I said, absolutely, let's do this. So I haven't to any of my solo stuff since 2005. That's the last time I was out. And um, I said, you know, it's well overdue. I keep getting asked every single time I release a, a solo. Are you going to tour it live? And I can't believe it's overwhelming how many people have... have um, you know, going on my boards and that. I just said, James, you this begs to be played live. You have to bring this out and play these songs. This album, Danny Dan, well, I, you know, I, I absolutely agree and I want to do it, but there's so many other songs too that I'd want to pull out from my, my previous solo albums as well. Maybe put it into an acoustic setting, but it's still like full on, you know? And um, so, yes, Eddie, that's, that's the plan. I just, I'm trying to get a little bit more uh, confirmation on the new theater scheduling next year because i do know that we're going to be out and like you said it is a mothership and it takes priority but i, I gotta find some windows of opportunity here for this band and for this music and then i would like to do the same thing in north america in three weeks play some select shows down in the states and get up into my my country as well in canada and hit some some dates around there as well 
Is there any, is there any, uh, I think as far as Dream Theater is concerned, you have some more stuff outside of the U.S. this year, right? Is there anything in the U.S. uh, coming up? Well, no, I don't think until probably 23 we'll we'll be back in in the U.S. That was our first leg, right, Eddie? And and, uh, yeah, you know that. But um, so that's where we started the uh, View from the Top of the World uh, World Tour was in uh, Phoenix back way back in the beginning of February. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't see us getting back here because, you know, there's talk that, um, we still have Asia. We still have all the South Pacific Rim. We're going in September. We're going down to do the rock and Rio. Um, and then, you know, uh, some more shows throughout Brazil and Buenos Aires and Chile. That's in September and August. We're going over to Indonesia and headlining a, a big festival, the download festival in Tokyo. Um, and then, um, and then there's talk in January to go back to Europe and hit all the other spots that we didn't hit over there and then so on and so forth. So I see this going out and, uh, and being out for quite some time. I I don't see us like really wrapping up anything that would have to do with a a view, uh, from the top of the world touring, uh, probably until like fall 23. You know, there's, the so, tour- there's so much being planned right now that I can't even talk about because they're like, okay, you know, it's being put together now. Right. So let's just wait and see. But, but it's, it's pretty exciting. I mean, yeah. I mean, Hey, listen, we're, we're glad to be back out, man. We were, we were, we did keep ourselves busy and I'm thankful that I did um, write and record this, um, this solo album because it, it kept my sanity. Oh my God. Holy shit. I was spun out of control. I think like yeah. many other people. Yeah, no, a lot of people a lot of people were able to create uh, during the lockdown and that gave them the opportunity to at least do something and then now we're seeing a lot of those records coming out that were made during that time. James, a uh, final mm-hmm. thing here when you look at the recent touring that Dream sure. did for View of the World, mm-hmm. how was the new uh, music uh, received and were there any highlights for you as far as the touring you've done for this record? The new material, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm sure every artist wants it to be like that, Eddie, where it's like, uh, hey, how are the new songs going over? You know, and it, and I, honest to God, they're, they're out there, they're singing the songs. Uh, they're, you know, I, as you know, I mean, we start the night with the alien because, hey, that's the big Grammy win for us now. Um, and, and people are into it. They're, they're, they're singing along, they're, they're shouting, they're loving it. And, um, uh, you know, I, I don't know, like, to me, uh, you're asking, what was it? Was there any pinnacle moment? I, I just think the fact that we, we could be out there again doing this and, and seeing uh, all those lovely faces out front and saying, well, okay, we still got it going on. We're still loving this and we're still having a great time and our fans are still incredible and, and supportive. And, uh, I mean, that's what it comes down to. For us, it's like we're, we're so blessed and we're so fortunate, and we don't take any of this for granted whatsoever. Yeah, and of course, of course, when you played in New York City, this made a lot of news because one of the faces in the crowd for the first time ever turned out to be your former yeah. drummer and uh, my friend yeah. uh, Mike Portnoy. And I know that yeah. you know Mike was on with me talking about that experience recently from the progressive rock mm-hmm. cruise cruise to the edge and we he talked about how 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 great it was for him to have done that and to have had that experience yes. and to reconnect with everybody 
but specifically you that he was really right. because I know there there had been some tensions and to to reconnect and reconcile if there had to be one or whatever it was with you specifically mm-hmm. was important to him and he felt really good about from your perspective what was it like when you learned that he was coming to the show and and reconnecting with him uh, it was a little bit of a because it was thrown at me uh, about two hours before the show, and you know what it's like, right? All the artists want to want to get in the zone. You want to get into the show and and stuff like that. And I was like, oh, hang on a second. How can I wrap my head around this? And to be quite honest with you, you know, uh, John Petrucci he said, hey, listen, I I know I know how this this is. This is uh, uh, this is a very sensitive topic, and it always has been. You know, um, and, and you know, I called my wife up, and she said you need to move on. You, you need to, you need to make amends. And, you know, you and Mike were best friends at one point and, and um, it, it's enough is enough. There's been enough fucking dirty water under the bridge and enough is enough. And, and I said, you're right. You know? And, and I said, uh, yeah, I want to see him after. And I'm sure Mike told you this within minutes, we had said what obviously needed to be said. And we got up, hugged one another, Hey, love you, love you too, man. Uh, sorry about all this shit. Yeah, yeah, for sure, man. You know, like it, whatever. It's part of life. It's part of a, a learning experience, and and it, it's great. And we've been in touch. You know, we're texting, and uh, we're, we're you know, hey, what's up, man? He's showing me. You know, he's sending me pictures from him on the road, and, and you know, uh, it's just a good place to be. Finally, right? I mean, we we. It's like I said. I said, you know, we we created some incredible albums together, Mike. And uh, what we've done is, is, is going to remain in, in history. You know, it's, it's, it's something that yeah, it's left its indelible mark. And uh, he said, I couldn't agree more. You know, and it, it's just great, Eddie. So it's, it's fine where it should be. It's unfortunate that we had so many years of turmoil. But, hey, we're not the first one to do it in the music industry, are we? And, no. uh, and that's just the way it is. No. Yep. And, uh, and it's great it's to all, hear. It's all and- great. Yeah, yeah, and for all of us, yeah. you know, every day life is getting a little shorter, not to be morbid. So the fact that you can put that kind of oh, stuff yeah. behind you and and have a good positive outlook and 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 everything is is fantastic. I was so happy to see it for yeah. everybody. I mean, I know he played on John's record, his solo record recently. We talked about that, sure. but just to to see all of that happen and with you specifically, I thought that was a really mm-hmm. a really wonderful thing. So. Um, well, listen, man, Thank it's you. great to yeah. catch up with you, James, and uh, everybody check yeah. out the James Labrie solo record. It's out now. It's called Beautiful Shade of Grey. Really cool record. Really cool playing, guitar playing, songs, vocals, real good stuff. Hopefully live shows and uh, maybe some more yeah. Dream Theater stuff in the U.S. and Canada next year, it sounds like, right? Absolutely. Thanks, Eddie. Oh, you, James, and one other thing. One yeah. other thing, yeah. talking about the records yeah. you've made in your career with whatever lineup of the band, my favorite, mm-hmm. or one of them, is okay. Train of Thought, right. which blew <laughs> my mind yeah, yeah. to find out yeah, next yeah. year is 20 years since that record came out, which I can't believe uh, we talk about time. So um, yeah. maybe, and I'll get yeah, in JP's man. ear about this, <laughs> maybe next yeah. year some sort of Train of Thought celebration. I don't know. I'm just thinking out loud. Yeah, well, I hey, you know what, Eddie? I agree with you. It would be great, and uh, I think everything's open, open to discussion at this point in in our career, and and more and more of that is happening. You know, like Octavaria, and then you got systematic yeah. chaos, and it's like they're all having these anniversaries, and and it's like holy shit, we have been around for a long time. 
It's a good it's a good problem to have yeah. when you've got that many uh, records is. that people like and yeah. that much of a catalog. So that's that's a good problem. Yeah. You take it year to year. Yeah, that's man. all you can really do. Absolutely. And like I said, you know, anything's possible and and yeah, that was a killer album and we we had a great time touring that. My god, man. Like that was in your face. It was like, here we go. You know, we are the progressive metal band, and we're going <laughs> to give yeah. it to you right between the eyes. So, yeah, that was a great album for sure, Eddie. Yeah. Well, listen, man, congrats okay. on the yeah. record. Enjoy the time that you're Thank home, you. and uh, hopefully I'll see you out there somewhere. Beautiful Shade of Grey. Again, it's out now. Solo album from James Labrie. Take care, man. Great catching up. Yeah. Okay, thanks, Eddie. You too. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks to James Labrie. Great to visit with him. And appreciate him coming on Trunk Nation, my radio show, where that interview originated. And I mentioned at the top here, we're going to tack on one little quickie for you at the end. This just happened this past Monday. I was in the middle of doing my radio show, talking about the stadium tour, and Ricky Rocket, Poison's drummer, sent me a text. Texted him back. I said, hey, why don't you call in and say hello? And he did. And here's how that conversation went. As I say all the time, I model this show after sports talk. You never know what's going to happen. Different guests, different topics, themes, debates, discussions. And you never know who might be listening. And uh, my old friend Ricky Rocket was uh, listening and uh, texted me. And I said, why don't you call in and say hello? And he's doing exactly that right now. So we welcome him on a day off, I believe, from the stadium tour. Poison's drummer Ricky Rocket joins us right now live on Trunk Nation. How are you, bro? God doing great, Eddie, and you want to know something? There's only one show stealing the show, and that is your show. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know about that, but I got to tell I you, do. man, I, I'm telling you, man, uh, there have been a lot of people that have said to me how great your performances have been. And uh, given that Poison is not always an active band out there playing that much, that's got to feel great to hear. It does. And you know what? I mean, you know, look, we wanted to do this two years ago, like everybody else did. And so now I think we have even more, you know, cooped up energy or whatever you want to call it. Everybody's feeling great. And, uh, you know, we're just so excited to see the fans out there. And it's amazing. We're here playing like these uh, stadiums. And then you look down and you see all these people, you know, and that's like the legacy of being around long enough to see that kind of thing. It's awesome. Hey, tell me about your preparations to get ready for this thing. Cause obviously, like you mentioned, there were a couple start stops here where people, I guess you was probably ramped up and started rehearsing and then had to stop and all of that. But tell me about coming together before the tour even started and the four of you guys getting in the same room and what the vibe was like for rehearsal. You know what? We just, I mean, honestly, Eddie, quite frankly, we just booked a rehearsal and we just all showed up, started going through our gear, put our gear together. I mean, I've had this drum kit for a while now because it was a stop start. You know what I mean? And uh, but I so I'm so used to that kit now. It feels like home. And, you know, we just all went out there and went into a rehearsal and went, we know this stuff. We've been playing these songs a long time. Let's just set up the set. And I think we're at a place right now where the set really feels good for the amount of time we have. Let's just, you know, just knock it, knock it out. You know, let's just give them a bunch of songs all in a row. We do give Cece a little space to do a solo. I said, guys, I don't want to do a solo. I'll do an extended ending 
but that's as far as I'm going. The rest has got to be poison stuff, and that's where you're getting. And I, uh, people, there's been a lot of people that have called out the fact that CC is playing eruption, right? No, he's not playing eruption. Uh, he's using his uh, his whammy, so I guess there's some similarities there. Of course, that came, you know, he was definitely inspired by Eddie. Oh, then some people people online were saying he was doing By a tribute way, to Eddie, and it was eruption. Well, he may have a little piece of it in there as a as a right. nod, uh, and right. and I think that's his intention. But he's certainly not playing it note for note. He didn't want to do that. He could. Uh, he's good enough to do it. Uh, but uh, but it's more of a hats off to Eddie, as it should be. Hey, Ricky, what was your um? What was your uh? Uh, your uh, reaction when you saw as those photos made their way online, CC showing up with that beard. How'd you like that look? <laughs> oh, I know. You know what? He sent that to me. It was when he auditioned for Game of Thrones, the new one. And uh, I'm kidding. Uh, but no, he <laughs> sent it to me. And I said, I said, I love this. I'll go right with you. Like, we'll, we'll come out and like, you know, I don't know. We'll just completely change our image and come out like that and freak everybody up. But I don't know if we get the whole band on board. So uh, he wound up shaving it like a day later. And the vibe among the band, I mean, we all know the history with Poison, but it's but that's the other thing that everybody is telling me. They've seen these first couple shows that the vibe seems real good. You guys seem to really be having fun up there and really seem to be enjoying uh, being together again. Oh, uh, we all, we hate each other for years and it's going to stay that way. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Uh, you know, there's uh, a respect and a brotherhood. And a lot of times people go, oh, you guys aren't hanging out together all the time. You used to be like brothers. I'm like, I don't hang out with my sister all the time. Okay. So, you know, we don't want to hang. That's why we have the longevity, I think, is that we give some space and, uh, and a little respect to each other for that. Have you had much, I know it's very early in the tour, but have you had a chance to have much interaction with any of the other bands you're sharing the bill with? Not really. Uh, honestly, you know, I, I sat down and had breakfast with Tommy, the fill-in Tommy, uh, who was my neighbor for a number of years, and I love that guy. Um, Lufetos. And, but we all went, we all, yes, uh, we all went Tommy Lee out there, of course. Uh, and you know, I said hi to Rick. We had lunch one day, uh, and he's as you know as chipper as ever. He's just like salt of the earth guy, you know. Rick, Rick Allen. And, you uh, talk about Rick Allen. Rick right? Allen. Rick yeah, Allen. Okay. Yes, not Rick Savage. Uh, and uh, and of course Phil. You know, I mean, I just love Phil to death. You know, he's uh, he's inspirational. You know, he gets out there, he works hard, and. You know, we're both martial artists. We different things that we do, but uh, you know, we may collaborate this year. You mean on some music or on martial arts? Uh, uh, your phone's breaking up, Ricky. There. I said, I said, I said on martial arts, nobody wants to play with me. Are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> Hey, how much was it a surprise to you guys when Tommy Lee didn't play the first show and that he was injured? Did you guys know? I didn't know anything about it. I swear I didn't. And I'm like, no. I went out and uh, and he wasn't playing. And I'm like, what the heck is going on, guys? 
and, uh, and so I went back and got the lowdown, and uh, I was like, wow, okay. But, you know, uh, and, and he's taken a lot of heat, and I don't think he should because I think what's cool about what he's doing is he's coming out there and he's going, this is painful to do it, but I want the audience to know that I'm here. I'm here for the duration. I'm not wussing out on this. I'm going to try to make a present for crew to be here. Instead of running home and sitting six weeks out while he recovers, you know, he's part of the team. I think that's badass. Yeah, I do too. And look, I've never hurt or broken ribs. I've just heard that it's tremendously painful. So I just wonder, like, by him going out and playing a few songs every night, does that delay his full recovery? I mean, I'm not a doctor. I'm sure they've checked that out. But as a drummer yourself, have you ever had an injury like that? And do you know what it's like to deal with? I haven't had that particular injury. I pulled a rib out of place in jujitsu, and that was really, really painful. Uh, uh, but in terms of that injury, I can, I mean, common sense says that it might uh, delay uh, the recovery, I would think. Uh, but I, you know, again, I'm no doctor either, you know, well, I was, I did play one on a one radio show for a while, but <laughs> Dr. And, Rocket. Dr. Rocket, right. <laughs> and how and yeah, long is, yeah, yeah. How, how long is the set and what time are you guys getting on stage so that the people listening, I know Jones on before you. I know Classless Act opens, of course, Leopard Motley flip-flop after you. I think you're in a, a great spot there in terms of the rundown. I'm sure a lot of people are in the building, pretty much all of them, by the time you go on. But for people listening, as this tour goes forward, they want to make sure they get there in time to see Poison. Do you have a set time you're going on every night? Yeah, it's been 6 o'clock every night. And uh, mm -hmm. I have watched uh, the other bands. I think everybody's doing great. Classless Act is really good, by the way. You should get there early for them. I mean, they really are, man. They knocked it out of the ballpark. And, of course, Joni. I love Joni Jett. Um, uh, you know, I, 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 what can I say? Unfortunately, we're doing our meet and greet about the time she goes on, so it's very frustrating. And the last thing, uh, Ricky, that I have for you is um, now that you guys are – doing this and it's it's obviously we're very very early into it but it's going well uh seemingly does this has this inspired the juices flowing among the guys in poison a little bit to maybe do more after this you guys kind of show up every two three years do something and then kind of go underground there hasn't been new music for a while do you think this will maybe fuel that a little bit to for poison to be a more consistently active band and maybe even want to make a new record well, I'm, you know what? I hope so. Uh, I'm definitely all about doing that. Um, and there has been talk about, you know, going overseas. Uh, so hopefully that will happen as well. Um, you know, I'm up for whatever, honestly. I mean, this is what I do for a living. This is, you know, who I am. Uh, I have other things that I enjoy doing, but none as much as poison, of course. So I'm, I'm in for the ride, you know, and let's, let's do it. And your health is good. You're all good as far as health is concerned. Nothing more important than that. Yeah, I'm all good. Uh, I got a bunch of checkups before I left. And, uh, of course, they scanned me once a year. So I'm going into year six now. 
and remission. And uh, you know what? By the way, I just want to let you know, I just want to do a little shameless plug here. I started a second YouTube channel, and it's kind of dedicated to, like, poison and me and lifestyle and all that kind of stuff, which is different from my other channel, Ricky Rockets Legend Tripping, because that's all about doing urban legends and spooky stuff. And I'm still going to do that channel. And I love that channel and that subject, but this has been fun to do because I've been covering kind of like the poison stuff vlog style. So um, definitely, definitely check that out if you're listening. And that's on YouTube. You said. Yes. Yeah. And you got married. Poison drummer. Yeah. I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. I said, that's called the poison drummer. That's that channel. And my other one's okay. just simply Ricky rocket. That's where I do all my legend tripping and uh, paranormal investigations and all that crazy stuff that I do. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I, that would freak me out too much. And uh, you got married recently, right? I did a couple of months. Congrats. Ago. Congrats. Thank you very much. Thank you. Yeah, Thank man. You. Well, lot- fact, she ordered I just had to pick up some salt and pepper shakers to add to our wedding registry like 15 minutes ago. That's why I called in late. (laughs) Well, listen, I'll let you get back to the important stuff, man. I appreciate that you were listening and you picked up the phone to call in. Very cool of you. And I'm going to catch you at one of these shows on this stop somewhere. I'll definitely hit you up. It'd be great to see you and send my best to all the guys in the band too, man. Hopefully hang soon. I definitely will. I love you, and I'll talk to you really soon. Love you too, bro. Take care. Travel safe. Uh huh. Bye now. See ya. Very cool, nice surprise that happened on Trunk Nation this past Monday when Ricky Rocket called in from Poison, talking about the stadium tour, which of course is now underway in the U.S. And that exactly is the whole beauty of doing a live daily rock talk show. Because you never know who's going to call in. You never know what's going to happen. That interview of Ricky calling in was completely unplanned and completely out of nowhere. And I love when stuff like that happens. So you're only going to get that kind of stuff if you listen daily to Trunk Nation. And if you're not already a subscriber, please come on board and join me on Sirius XM Volume every day on Channel 106, live 2 to 4 Eastern, replays 10 to midnight Eastern, anything you want, anytime you want on the Sirius XM app. In the U.S. or Canada, make sure you come on board if you're not already listening and listen every day live on the radio here on the podcast, getting a tiny taste of what I do on the radio show. Be sure to follow me on social media at Eddie Trunk, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook page. Thanks to Joel Pollock for putting it all together for me. Keep an eye on my social media. A lot of appearances coming up this summer. Hope to see you out and about out there. Thanks for listening to the podcast, everybody. Be sure to subscribe if you aren't already, and I'll catch you next Thursday for a new episode. Myrtle Beach is the beach. 60 miles of bright sand, water, and a wealth of wonderful music playing day and night. You can step into a simple beach bar and discover a surprising level of exciting musical talent. A place to kick back and groove to the enticing soundtrack of the most unexpected vacations around with nothing but good vibes floating through the warm ocean air. Plan your own music field trip to America's Jukebox at visitmyrtlebeach.com.